We all want to do work that we love. And as leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees, wouldn't it be great to create workplaces where work feels like play? Where people are tuned in to the changes going on in the world around them. Where they're constantly learning, spotting new opportunities, and taking action to go after them. I'm Amanda Satilli, and this is the Fearless Growth Podcast, where my guests and I will explore the mindsets and choices that lead you and your organization to outstanding performance. Today, my guest is Sandra Hughes. Sandra is the founder of Life Reinvented. She is a solopreneur accelerator. She shows solopreneurs how to optimize their business, gain traction to grow, and most importantly, she helps them integrate their work with their life. Thanks for joining me today, Sandra. Oh, it's a pleasure, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Yeah. One of the things that I forgot to mention as I introduced you is I was really impressed when I heard that you had meetup groups, um, I guess, spread throughout the country or the world that have 8,000 members. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. it's It's been a process. <laughs> And it's a great community. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was fascinated by the fact that you said using meetups is a really good way to test your market, to test your message, to test whether you're attracting the right people. Um, so anything you can share about how to do that would be fascinating. Like, what would I do if I just wanted to, if I had a new business idea and I wanted to use a meetup? strategy to test it? How would I do that? Um, well, the, the first thing that you would do is um, you, you got to have an understanding of who you're going to target. And um, so you would uh, determine who you're going to target and what the topic is going to be. And then, um, and, and where, and see if you have a good sense of where those people might be in, in a, uh, in a demographic, in a large um metropolitan area, mm -hmm. um, look at the demographics of the area and see where those people would be, and then set up the group in that area and um, start to offer events and offer events based around your area of expertise um, and offer educational events as well as networking events. And the educational events are something where you can offer some free information that educates people within your um, subject area. And also at the end of it, you can make an offer to have a discussion with them if they're interested in talking to you about, uh, about what you do further. Um, but and during that event, you can have some questions and answers so that you can get the, the audience engaged and get a sense of what it is they're really looking for. Because a huge, uh, benefit to uh, using Meetup as a platform to um, hone in on who your target market is, is to be able to get that data, to be able to ask questions, um, see whether what you're presenting is really landing or if they're looking for something else, um, get to know people, and also to build your uh, positioning in that market. And so, and people love to be engaged. So I highly recommend if you do an educational event, have some engagement in there. And then um, also hold, host a networking event because then you are providing a service to, um, to people and they are um, uh, appreciative of that, that they're getting to know um, other people in the group and, um, and meet other resources. And the other interesting um, or good thing about this is that 
when you have your meetup group and you um, set up the registration link, whether it's through Zoom, which I usually use, or um, you can use other uh, platforms like Eventbrite, uh, you capture email addresses. And mm. then and in there, you can say to, it, when you're doing your event description, say to people, you know, um, by signing up for this event, you're agreeing that I can have your email address and that I can put you on my list. You know, you have to worry about that privacy uh, issue. Right. But it's a way to capture email addresses and to keep, stay in touch with the participants, you know, send them your newsletter or invite them to other things. So right. it's a, it, it provides a lot of um, really good, uh, a really good ability to test the market. But then also once you have, you know, you're clear as to your message and, and who you're attracting, then also to potentially um, enroll clients. So if I were to do this, or if anyone were to do this, how do people find me? Are there people just browsing around Meetup looking for things that might interest them? Are they using search terms? So you need to make sure to use the right search terms, or can you somehow latch on to other Meetups and um, attract the same kind of people that they're attracting? Um, when you're first starting out, it's it's really you know, you're going to be setting up a group in an area, in a major metropolitan area, um, or in, in a local town, wherever you set the group up, it's going to attract people from that area. And it, Mm -hmm. and, um, so it will show up in eventually if you have enough groups, if you have enough, um, if you continue to offer enough events on a regular basis, because that's the other thing you have to, once you, commit to this, you have to do events regularly because that will keep people engaged. And the more you do, the, the more, uh, you know, the, the higher it will, uh, show up in, in Google search for events in your area. That's really neat. So one of the things that's interesting about the pandemic is that everything has become non-localized because <laughs> you can mm-hmm. join anything from anywhere. So does Meetup have a capability to attract a niche market with no geographic boundaries at all? Not really. You do have to have, you do have to plug in a city, you you know, a specific Mm -hmm. zip code. Um, And then Mm -hmm. it attracts from 50 miles around that zip code. Um, So that's why I have, that's one of the reasons I have so many groups. I have, I started all my groups in the Bay Area and through the pandemic, I grew across the country. I mean, one of the things that I'm going to start doing now is to provide more localized um, activities for people in the areas in which my groups are, like um, because I want them to meet locally, even though I'm not physically there with them. So I'm going to start doing kind of more localized networking events in those areas because I just want to continue to serve and um, and 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 give people opportunities now that things are kind of hybrid. You know, some things are open and some things are, are not. So, but one of the things that's really important when you do, when you set up a group is to pay attention to the tag. They're the, the things that, um, meetup asks you to identify that are the types of, uh, things that your psychographic or information that your potential, um, attendees might be interested in. So, you, you can basically paint the picture of who your potential audience will be based upon the um, categories that you choose, like entrepreneurs or professional networking or 
um, women's empowerment or women's networking. You can you can go through and look at all of those, and you you get a, a maximum of fifteen um, categories that you can choose. It, you're basically um, giving a, a full picture of who your potential uh, client could be in terms of what their likes are, what their interests mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. and that's who you're going to attract. It's a bit of a process to understand how it all works, but it's it's really interesting. And it's just one of the, the ways that I um, attract people, but it's also a huge way that I have tested uh, when I went through customer discovery, when I was starting my business. Are there any things that you can point to that you thought would be good positioning for yourself, which turned out to be actually not effective for you, either in terms of people didn't want it, or you found out you really didn't enjoy it that much, or it wasn't a good fit with your skills? Well, it's interesting because th- this brings up a really good point, Amanda. Thank you for bringing it up. Because So I'm an encore entrepreneur. I started my business um, when I was in my fifties after I got out of graduate school. And so I've been in business for six years now. And I actually, um, one of the things I want people to understand is that where you start and where you end up are going to be very different. And you figure that out by going through this customer discovery process, which um, a lot of people do not do. So one of the things that I, I'll use myself as an example, when I got out of graduate school, even though I had just gotten my MBA and my superpower, my thing, my, the thing that sets me apart is that I'm a business builder and an exponentially forward business, forward thinking business builder. So I'm the type of person who can help people see what's possible um, in their, in their uh, growing business. So but that wasn't what I chose to do when I was starting my business because I was going through major life transitions and I wanted to help everybody do that. So, and I'd also gotten a coaching certification. So I started out um, helping people through major life transitions and I ended up helping people with their businesses. Mm-hmm. So what, so I pivoted and, um, and in that process, I also realized that there is this, this very necessary need to recognize the integration between life and work and how we, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Sometimes you dial area, one area of your life up or down and one, you know, to accommodate work. And then sometimes you dial work up or down to accommodate life, but they're integrated. Mm -hmm. And so how can we show up in a way that in our leadership and our life and our work, that um, allows us to succeed, and that was the 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 um, the beginning of Life Reinvented, my brand, which is all about helping people um, find hi- highly effective success strategies in their work and their life as they're building their business and they're going about their life. So I started in one place. I ended up someplace else, but I ended up in that way because those were the people that were showing up and I was looking at the data and you have to do that. You have to get yourself out there. You have to test the market. You have to look at the data and then be willing to pivot um, when the data suggests something other than what you started with. So you got to keep an open mind. So I would imagine some people get intimidated by the word data because they think you would have to have hundreds of 
you know, examples or something, which it sounds like with Meetup, you actually can get some good data because you could see whether 50 people show up for an event or two people show up for an event. So that would be pretty glaring. But some people, you know, might only have five clients or, you know, six different projects or something. So what does data mean for someone like that? Or how, how do you think about data and how do you get people to understand that data can be a conversation or maybe you're, maybe you're not thinking of it that way. Yeah, no, I'm totally thinking of it that way, but I also want to go back to the meetup example for, for one thing. So, so one of the things that we have to recognize is that we have to go where our audience is. Okay. So when you use something like meetup, it is, it's everybody. It's everybody from, and, and to really, you know, find the right people could be very time consuming and very, um, uh, difficult. It is one place to focus on as you're doing your customer discovery. And it's really useful for a lot of different things, but it's not your only place. So whatever entry point into your sales funnel you use, whether you use Meetup, which is great, but not to be totally dependent upon. Whether you do speaking events, you know, get out there and start talking to um, to chambers of commerce or groups that you're affiliated with, or how whatever you you do to get yourself out there. Whether you go to networking events and you tell people what you do, and you get you know connect, you get some some good um, connections there, and you have follow up phone calls. You've got to have multiple entry points into your funnel, and I don't want to just focus on one. So anyway, those are some examples of entry points into your sales funnel. Whatever you do to meet people, you have that conversation, you make that connection, you have that conversation, you get to know the the person, and you really you're really curious. You really find out about them, find out their story, find out why they're challenged, find out why they're challenged specifically in the area that you can serve them in, because that's going to be key. Have those conversations. So you can start to have conversations with people that you meet in all of those places that come in through your sales funnel to start gathering information about what people are looking for. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to find. So have that through conversation, through those entry points into your sales funnel. And when you figure out what it is people are actually looking for and you see that common thread, then you can message your product or service in such a way that addresses that want. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing. The the second thing is that when you're talking about data, going back to the data question, so many people, especially if they um, have been in business for a while, but it's they're not gaining traction, don't go back and look at their past clients, what it was that brought them to you, what brought them to you, what did you do for them? Um, that's what I'm talking about in terms of data. And you can even go back and survey them, have conversations with them with a list of questions and say, you know, what was it that actually brought you to me? And what was it that actually was the most profound effect that I had on your business or, or the, the most, um, important, uh, thing that you, that you got out of working with me? 
Because oftentimes what we think it is and what it actually is, is not the same. Mm-hmm. So you've got to ask people. And the, the ideal time to ask it is when you finish working with them, they give you a testimonial and you get all of that information. But gather, you can, you can go back and ask them and, you know, um, after the fact and, and just have a conversation. But, but that's the kind of data I'm talking about. So it's not like just numbers and calculating and analysis. It's really tangible evidence of what it was that you were able to, what, uh, what check, what change were you able to affect? What benefit were you able to provide? What, what was it? And, and just gather that because you will see a common thread and then you can continue to emphasize that particular part of your product or service and also, um, Um, message accordingly. Yeah. I um, once had a marketing consultant interview 10 of my clients and ask them some of these questions. What was the differentiator? What did Amanda do that nobody else can do? And it was really helpful (laughs) to have a third party go and do that because I think that they might say some things that I would just have too much of a filter as I was listening, or I would steer them in a certain direction. But just having a third party who doesn't know any of the facts go in and ask them can be really, really, really helpful. And I would imagine that some of your the people in your community could buddy up with each other. You know, you ask my clients, I'll ask yours, <laughs> and then we can advise each other. That would be an interesting process. So I've got um, people that I have as resources that I ask them to do that kind of interviewing for my clients, for example. So in... The, the whole purpose of, of what I do and I ca- the reason I call it a, a, an accelerator is that it's, it's giving startup, it's giving solopreneurs, um, the benefits that a startup would have in terms of how to frame things, how to, um, build the foundations, um, how to do the customer discovery and how to enter the market, um, in a very intentional way. So that's why. Um, my business is an accelerator. And, um, and in doing that, I provide what I provide, but I also have collaboration partners who are really good at what they do, who come in and, um, you know, do that kind of interviewing if it's required, who help people with um, their financial analysis, who um, help people with their digital strategy. For larger clients, I have that kind of resource. For people that are just starting out, I can advise them as to ways like you just mentioned um, to how to get uh, people that they know to help them do something like that if you want an unbiased third party. But honestly, for people that are just starting out um, or have been in business for a little while and have had clients, I I suggest that if you just come up with that list of questions and just ask them the questions and then, and then look at the data, you, you won't be making judgments while you're having the conversation. Just stick to the questions. Yeah. Cause right. the filter won't, you know, but there are different ways to go about it. But um, can I just bring something up as I'm saying this, because um, th- this is something really huge that I really would like to convey to people when you are starting out or when you're gathering information or um, when you're sharing with people that are not in, they could be friends, family, you know, um, you're, you're like asking people, what do you think? 
mm-hmm. please be careful <laughs> about asking, you know, the the right people in in terms of sometimes when we ask people who aren't on board with us, then we end up going down a rabbit hole based upon the answer that we're given. So right. one of the things that I ask people is to be very careful about crowdsourcing and be very intentional about who you reach out to, to get feedback about something, because you're not necessarily looking for somebody that totally agrees with you, but you're looking with for somebody who has a sense of where you're coming from, what you're looking to achieve and will guide you or give feedback or something on that level, as opposed to somebody that knows you really well, who has your best interests at heart, but might not be really helpful. Yeah. The, what I've found most helpful is ask someone who's actually worked with me in a difficult situation and who I just really loved working with, like a client that's just like, a fantastic client because that's the kind of people you want to attract more of, right? So that's very true. And, you know, one of the things, so you just brought up something interesting, which I, um, I want to touch on. So those are the clients that you want to attract and you, you've resonated with them. You've had a great relationship. You've had, it was, it was fun. You've, you, you appreciate that and you want to have more of that. Well, the way to get more of that is to really like dive deep and figure out about yourself, about your superpower, what sets you apart, what's your unique value proposition, what are your values? So, because when you're trying to attract your ideal clients, there's a values resonance mm-hmm. and people, people hone in on who you are, how you stand, you know, how you stand out, what your message is and your message should include that, that those values so that people can see what you stand for. And those are the people that are going to be attracted to you. So it's on a very simple level right now. I just want to throw that out there to just find that values resonance. Right. Are there any examples that you have of someone who thought their values were X, but they were really Y because they hadn't really thought about it that much, or maybe they were just being too simplistic or superficial or? Um, no, not, not really, because what, what's, what's really interesting is that I take people through an exercise of having them identify their life values, their work values, and Mm -hmm. then where they intersect, what are their core values? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm looking for. And so what ends up happening is that when they identify their core values, there's this aha of, oh, you know, this really is what I feel like deep down. And I want that reflected in my work. So that becomes part of how they message who they are. And when they do that, then there's just this amplification of, um, of, of who they are so that, you know, that kind of, that, that turns, turns up the, um, the volume and people start showing up because they're like really standing in who they are totally. Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was a really interesting thing that um, we discussed the other day, which was people don't realize how powerful it is for your values to resonate with another person. 
where you just go, yeah, yeah, I really think that too. <laughs> like if only people would do X, that would be great. Or whatever it is, values are very important. And values can include things like um, a love of analyzing things or a love of nature or whatever it is. Um, when you find someone who really clicks with you, that's why I often ask for referrals or I always try to ask for referrals from my favorite clients because, and I just say, a lot of it's just a chemistry thing. You know, you know why you and I get along and you'll probably be able to refer me to other people who would just really appreciate the way I think. And I would really appreciate the way they think. And so please help me with that. And they're happy to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it is that values resonance. It, it, it totally is. So then the expansion, the expansion of this is figuring out your superpower, you know, which is a little bit more than that, which is your unique value proposition, your differentiator. And so you take your core values and then you expand upon that and figure out what it is about you that transcends your life and your work that really is core to you and, and is your personal differentiator. And then you stand in that and you also um, stand in your, your leadership and your life and your work and, and show up as that um, empowered leader with that skill set with those core values. And once you've got all of that in alignment and you stand in that, it's, it's, amazing the amplification mm -hmm. that you get in terms of being able to attract your ideal clients mm -hmm. but what and and so that's that's what i ask solopreneurs to really focus on at the very beginning or when i'm i i tend to work mostly with people who are not gaining traction or who are really successful but are going to pivot and what we do is we go through this reset process mm -hmm. of of really diving deep in themselves really building up that superpower. And then from that place, looking at their business and with this new lens, it's so amazing as to what's possible. And they see things they hadn't seen before because they're looking at it with this new lens. But I want to also emphasize that if people are, are working for somebody else, you know, in a company or this whole idea of that values resonance is so important because when we go to work with for a company or even we use a company's product we're looking at their mission statement which which represents you know what their values are and if we work, go to work for a company and we're we look at the mission statement and we're thinking yeah this is who I want to work for and then we go in there and we have we see the company culture and we see what they're about and there's that resonance it's a values resonance right and and that's what really um clicks for us and then we go in and work on a team and the teams that are most successful is are those that have that values alignment and each person stands in their skill set but there's this values resonance across the team that everybody really is approaching things and, and going in the same direction and they all, there's a synergy. And when people leave companies and an entire team, you know, will follow somebody, it's because they figured out that resonance and they all work really well together. And why? When there's a disconnect in somebody's unhappy in their job and they're stopping to think, well, you know, I'm not happy anymore. Oftentimes it's a values disconnect between either the person that they're working with 
the team or something's happened with the, um, the company. Right. So before there's like this, oh, I have to leave my job. There's really this need to go through that, you know, what, where is there a values disconnect and really try to address that. And sometimes you can address it very explicitly. You can say, well, because I think that values really only come into play when you're making a tough decision. (laughs) Like, should we, should we treat this situation this way or that way? That's where values become very important. And um, so making the values concrete in terms of how we make decisions around here, it's a problem you can solve. It, it, you can't always solve it. Sometimes you have to leave and go to another company or work for somebody different. But many times it's something that you can just work through with another individual or a team of people that's really valuable. Well, Sandra, it has been so enlightening talking to you. I've got so many good ideas, and I hope that everyone who listens to this podcast um, goes out and starts a meetup group to test their test their market and looks at the data and talks to their clients to see how uh, people are thinking of them and what's the most valuable, and also thinks through their values and how their values resonate with the people that they most like to work with. And how would someone get in touch with you or learn more about your work or just learn from you if they would like to do that? Um, well, to get in touch with me, I, you can, um, you can contact me at chatsandra.com um, and set up a, a coffee chat. Um, if just to get to know one another, I'd be happy to do that. I'm, I'm very open to having conversations. Um, my website is lifereinvented.com. Um, and you can also reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. Very good. And um, so your LinkedIn, because I, I searched Sandra Hughes and I noticed there's a lot of other ones. What keyword could they, if they put in Sandra Hughes, Life Reinvented, I think they land right on you. So that'll be perfect. Yes, yes they do. Yep. Very yep. good. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, Sandra. I've learned a lot and I think our audience will too. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Amanda. Thank you for listening to Fearless Growth. You can find out more about the show at satilli.com slash podcast, and you can listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like what you've heard, please take a moment to write a review and give us a star rating. Reviews matter so much in helping others find us. Thanks for your support.